Mark chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 1. And again he entered into, into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when he had broken it, when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, and took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat at his, in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. As we studied through the gospel according to Mark, we understand that Mark wrote this account of the gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but for the purpose of preserving the teaching that the Apostle Peter had taught concerning Jesus Christ. Uh, the gospel according to Mark was one of the first of the four, the first of the four gospels written and it was written about the time that Peter was martyred. And so what Mark is doing is he is taking the truth that Peter preached all those years with the Holy Spirit giving him the inspiration to thus make this God's word. He is showing us who Jesus Christ is by showing us what Jesus did. He's revealing, us, revealing to us the Messiah by showing what the Messiah did. In Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 17, we see that Jesus forgives sin. As we read that passage, that's what we take from this, is that Jesus forgives sin. He proclaimed that to the man who was sick of the palsy. He called Levi to follow, and he called the sinners and the publicans to repent. He forgives sin. Jesus has the power to forgive sin. Jesus will forgive the worst of sin. And forgiveness of sin was and is his mission. 
Christ has the power to forgive sins. Let's look in verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. What a strange thing to say. This man is paralyzed. He's on this mat. He can't get up and move. He, he, he's totally 100% disabled. And they bring this man and go to great lengths to get him in front of Jesus. They cut a hole in the roof. I mean, there's property damage taking place there. Peter's looking at his roof saying, I wonder if the homeowner's policy will cover this. But they go to great lengths to bring this man to Jesus. And the first thing Jesus says is, thy sins be forgiven thee. When somebody is 100% disabled like this, they are suffering. They are in pain. On their best days, they are feeling things that you and I can't even imagine. This man is in pain, in discomfort, suffering from a horrible disease. And the first thing Jesus says is, thy sins be forgiven thee. What's up with that? Why is that the first thing Jesus said? Because this man is on this, the, the King James Bible says a bed. The more modern translations say a mat, and it was a mat. I kind of envision it like a sleeping bag. He's here lay, laid out, and he can't do anything. And yet, his most pressing need was not to be healed of that disease, Amen. but was to have his sins forgiven. Amen. Whether or not we realize it, our greatest need is the forgiveness of sin. Now, you may be thinking this morning about needs you have in your life. There may be a financial need. There may be a health care need. There may be a relationship need. Maybe there's a bill you can't pay. Maybe you're dealing with a disease and you're trying to figure out how those tests are going to come back when the doctor gives them to you next Wednesday. You may be worried about a relationship that you are in, a family member that has gone astray. You've got all these problems. We always have problems. That's life. Problems. Problems, problems. Some people have more than others. But... At the end of the day, what do you need the most? The money to pay that bill, a clean report from the doctor when he brings back the test results, or do you need the forgiveness of sins? You say, well, Brother Leland, you're a pastor. You don't understand life in the real world. I've got real problems here. Let me tell you something. I do understand the real world. Um, and I'm going to tell you that having been in financial need, I'm going to tell you that having had health care crises, I'm going to tell you that having had problems in my relationships, family relationships, that you can fix those, and that doesn't really bring you peace. If it does, it brings you a temporary peace. You get that bill paid off, there's going to be another one coming right around the corner. There's a, the, the mortgage got paid this month, but they're going to want it again next month. Yeah, that's just the way it works, right? You finally get the care credit card paid off, and we've paid off our medical debts. And then we're right back at the doctor's office or something else. You never really get the peace. Uh, John Rockefeller, they asked him, they said, how much money is enough? And he said, just a little more. Just a little more, because you don't get the peace from the earthly things. Yes, this man needed to be healed. Yes, you have legitimate, real, physical needs. I'm not, I'm not downplaying any of that. But the main thing that you need, the one thing that will bring you peace, even when all these other things are falling apart, is the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Forgiveness of sin gives us a peace and comfort that cannot be obtained by the curing of any physical, earthly, or psychological ailment. 
there is a peace that comes in being forgiven. Brother Jim talked about in Sunday school, and I so appreciate the fact that you teach Sunday school before I preach because I get so much good material. It's like weeks in a row I have ripped off his Sunday school lessons. But he talked about his friend that works in the hospital, uh, that worked in the hospital in the ICU unit, and how when patients are given a prognosis of a condition that can be fatal, terminal, that you can tell the difference between the believers and the non-believers because the believers have a more, they take it calmer, there's a, there's a more of a faith there, there's an understanding of a purpose of life, whereas non-believers, they don't have that. Why do the believers have that and the non-believers don't? Are the believers just naturally better people, naturally mentally stronger people? No. The believers have that assurance of knowing that their sins have been paid for and that they are in God's hands. Your number one need in life is the forgiveness of sins. Has God forgiven your sins? Have you turned to the Lord and asked him for forgiveness? Have you received that forgiveness? Do you trust him for that forgiveness? And what about your neighbor? Has your neighbor's sins been forgiven? Do you know? How are they doing? We don't know our neighbors anymore. Brother Jimmy does. His neighbor's knocking on his door 15 times a day. But a lot of us don't even know our neighbors. I, she's his secretary. I go to visit Brother Jimmy. She sees me getting out of the car, and she, she intercepts me, and, sh- and she tells me whether or not he can be bothered that day. <laughs> Usually he can. It's not you, it's I know. <laughs> so we love people, don't we? What about your neighbor, though? Do you know? How are they doing? Verse 6. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? These people, these Pharisees, did not believe Jesus could forgive sins because they didn't know who he is. They didn't know Jesus And not knowing Jesus, they didn't know his power. But he was about to demonstrate that power. And by doing so, he showed who he is. And that left them with the obligation to repent and believe or to reject him altogether. They don't don't know who Jesus is. This man done told this paralyzed man that his sins are forgiven. He can't do that. Only God can forgive sins. Who does Jesus think he is? They didn't even say anything. They were going to wait till they got to the coffee shop afterwards, and they were going to say, hey, here's how we get them. All right? Jesus didn't even give them that opportunity. Jesus says, I know what you're thinking. And he confronts them. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know he had the power to forgive sins. So he demonstrates it. A lot of people today don't believe that Christ has the power to forgive sins. You know that? A lot of people in Christian churches don't believe that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. And they don't believe it because they don't know him. They don't know who he is. They don't know his power. And therefore, they don't trust him to forgive their sins. They feel that they have to earn their forgiveness. They have to earn the salvation. And when you feel that you've got to do something to earn the forgiveness, when you've got to do something to atone for your sin in order to gain your favor back with God, then you're working for your forgiveness. And you can't do that. That's linguistically impossible. You can't earn forgiveness. All right? If I owe Brother Wayman a debt of $500, 
and I pay Brother Wayman $500, Brother Wayman has not forgiven the debt. He's declared the account paid in full, but he has not forgiven the debt. If I owe Brother Wayman $500, and I'm like, hey, Brother Wayman, can you let me slide, man? I'm, I'm having a hard time. And Brother Wayman says, Leland, man, we're good. Don't worry about it. That's forgiveness. I owed him, but I didn't pay him. But he didn't hold me accountable. He's like, I'm, I'm releasing you from this debt. That's forgiveness. You cannot earn forgiveness. But there are people who feel like that they've got to do something to earn the Lord's forgiveness. They don't trust him to forgive sins. They don't trust him to forgive sins because they don't think he has the power to forgive sins. They won't tell you that. That sounds unspiritual. But they're not trusting him. And since they're not trusting him, they don't believe he has the power. And so they're trying to earn it on their own. And you wind up with people who are living in a works-for-salvation religious system. They give themselves these lifestyle objectives that I've got to do this and I've got to do this, and they never truly trust the Lord for salvation. Isaiah 45, 22. Look ye unto me, and be ye saved, saith the Lord. I am God, and there is none else. What did, what did the Lord say? He said, look unto me, trust me, believe in me. Fully rely on me for the forgiveness. Fully rely on me for the salvation. Quit looking unto yourselves. Do you believe that Christ can forgive your sins? Do you believe that he has the power to forgive your sins? Do you trust him to forgive your sins? Or are you still carrying the weight of that guilt? The Pharisee said, he can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus says, y'all watch something here. <laughs> Verses 9 through 12. Whether, this is Jesus talking, whether it is easy, easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. What's easier to say? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, and took up the bed, and went before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Jesus healed people. He performed miracles. In chapter 1, he he, he performed miracles in chapter 1. He's already done miraculous healings and to the point that people know that they can go to Jesus to be healed and they're bringing everybody they can. And what great friends this man had, by the way. They went to such great lengths to bring him to Jesus. This is, these are friends that love their friend. One of the things about being sick and disabled is that people tend to forget about you and you wind up alone pretty quickly. But this man has these four friends. They love him. They're bringing him to Jesus to bring him to be healed. And so the healings have been taking place. And so the Pharisees were kind of suspicious about all of this. And it might have appeared that a man who had a condition so severe that Jesus couldn't heal it, it might have appeared that was the situation. And so Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Now the thing about Jesus telling this man that his sins were forgiven was for the Pharisees, they had no actual proof that Jesus did anything. If Jesus were a charlatan, he could just say, your sins are forgiven. And they couldn't disprove it, right? The Pharisees knew that. And so they thought they, had, they found an, an occasion to discredit Jesus. But before they could even voice an accusation, Jesus addressed 
the issue they raised in their hearts. What is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or rise and take your bed and walk? What's easier to say? Now, if you're, if you're, a, if you're a snake oil salesman, you could fake your way through the first one. But you can't fake this type of healing. But here's the thing. If you actually mean it, what's the easiest to say? Your sins are forgiven? Do you have the ability to forgive sins? Do I have the ability to forgive sins? No, the forgiveness of sins is a supernatural miracle. Amen. All right? So, you know, is it easier for us to say your sins are forgiven, or is it easier for us to say rise and take your bed and walk? Can you go to a paralyzed person and give the command for them to rise and walk and be fully healed? If we had that ability, we would have said that many years ago, wouldn't we? You don't have that ability. All right? Who has that ability? God has that ability. And so Jesus tells the man to rise up and walk. And he did. And this removed all doubt as to who Jesus is. Only God can do that kind of a healing. Nicodemus said that in John chapter 3. We know you're come from God because nobody can do these things except God be with you. And if Jesus has the power of God to raise this man off of his bed, then he also has the power of God to forgive sins. Amen. Do you trust the Lord to forgive your sins? You say, Brother Leland, you have no idea what I've done. And I say, you have no idea what I've done. I'm thankful that LifePoint Baptist Church is located in Brown County, Texas, and not Nacogdoches County, Texas. That's a different story. We won't go there. Jesus forgives the worst sin. Is there a sin for which you feel that God will not forgive you? Have you done something so horrible you don't think God can get past this to forgive you? Is it that bad? Is there such a thing as a sinner who is so repulsive to God that God will not forgive him if he turns and repents? Is there such a thing? Theologically, you say, no, because that's what they taught us in Bible school. No. But do you believe that? Because we always have those sinners that are worse off than us, right? We can always look at somebody else that's done something worse than us. You know, the, the, the marijuana smoker says, at least I don't smoke crack. Right? The crackhead says, at least I'm not a meth head. The meth head says, at least I'm not in prison. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We always look, I mean, it always seems like we can find somebody we can look down on. Mm -hmm. By the way, that's pride and that's sinful. Yeah. Verse 14. We're going to meet old Levi here. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Levi was sitting at the receipt of custom. Y'all know what that means? He's collecting taxes. He's one of our favorite people in the world, the IRS agent. We love getting letters from them, don't we, Brother Wayman? Oh, good, it's my friends in Atlanta. That's the examination department. Um, I get letters from them a lot. I told Jessica, Brother Frank, I told Jessica that what I was learning in my accounting class is I knew nothing about accounting. She said, well, that's obvious. 
So what do you mean that's obvious? She goes, we get, we get audited every single year. The IRS doesn't think that we're raising seven kids on the, on the salary we make. They're like, you're hiding something, or you got more. Anyway, Levi's a tax collector. He's a publican. Why is that such a bad thing? How did he become a tax collector? How did he become a publican? What was this journey like? To be a publican, you bought your way into that job. You, you paid for the franchise, so to speak. And publicans, these are Israelites, Jewish men, who paid a sum of money to join the Roman government so that they could oppress their neighbors and members of their community by taking taxes from them. And the publican, he didn't get a salary from Rome for this. He collected a service charge. I'm here to collect your $1,500 in taxes, and on top of that, I'm collecting a $1,500 service charge for my fee of collecting your taxes for you. And if you didn't have the money to pay, he just called the Roman guard and they hauled you off. This man is oppressing his own people. He's extorting his own people. And the way the people saw publicans back then is that they were traitors. These are traitors who exploited their countrymen for personal gain, all the while helping the oppressive occupying government. And so for the Pharisees and for the Jews of that time, for the people who lived in Israel, there was no worse person than the publican. Let's pretend for a moment that the United States has been invaded. I, I don't know who invaded us. Um, Agrabah invaded us. That's where Aladdin was, okay? We've been invaded by Agrabah. And the Agrabah government says, we're going to hire people to help us oppress your people. And so your next-door neighbor takes a job. And your next-door neighbor's new job is he's working with the foreign government, and he's going to come and take your house and take all your stuff and throw you in prison. What do you think about your neighbor? When you see him in Walmart, you're going to have a, hey, how you doing? How's the new job? No, you hate this guy, don't you? That was Levi. Levi was seen by the people. He, Zacchaeus, same thing. You ever wonder why they wouldn't let little Zacchaeus get to the front where he could see Jesus? Because they hated Zacchaeus. He's been reduced to climbing up in the sycamore tree. All right? They hated the publicans. These are the worst guys in the world. They're not even human. They're lower than human. They hated them. And Jesus walks by Levi's booth and he says, come, follow me. Jesus saw this vile publican, and he said, follow me. The same invitation he gave to the good old boy fisherman in the last chapter. Follow me. Levi got his name changed. Jesus renamed him. Matthew. Yeah. Matthew, I looked this up, Matthew means gift of Jehovah. <laughs> Jesus, and how often do we see Jesus changing people's names? Peter's original name was Simon. Jesus renamed him Rock. So, the Rock was not an original. Peter was the original Rock. Um, I think it'd be cool to cast the Rock as Peter in a Bible movie, but that's a different story. <laughs> Levi was renamed Matthew, gift of Jehovah. Jesus looked at Levi and he told Levi, you're God's gift. How powerful is that? Matthew went on to write the gospel according to Matthew. Now let me tell you something. Levi, we sanitize in the scripture, we sanitize what he did. 
We say, well, he was a publican. He just collected taxes. He, he had one of those government jobs. This dude betrayed his own people and oppressed his own people. He and many like him. To the point that the Pharisees actually taught that that man can never go to heaven. He has sold out his birthright in the Abrahamic covenant, and he will never go to heaven. There's no way you can reach him. Who all do we hear that, that God can't reach today, right? You, there's no way you can reach him, but yet Jesus walked by and said, follow me, and he did. It doesn't matter how bad you've been, what horrible thing you've done, what thing that you've done that you wish you could take back that you can't take back, but you wish you could. It doesn't matter what it is. If Jesus will forgive a man who turned his back on God's promises and betrayed God's people, he will forgive you too. Forgiveness of sin is the mission of Christ. Y'all know what Levi does after Jesus invites him to follow him? Levi goes back to his house and he invites all of his buddies. Y'all come on over to dinner. We're having a barbecue. In verses 16 and 17, and, and what happens is Jesus is there with Levi and the disciples. They're having dinner, and all the sinners and the publicans show up because nobody else would have them over at the house. They've got a place they're welcome to go have dinner. And the Pharisees see this. And in verse 16, when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, Jesus said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Levi hosted this dinner. All of his publican and sinner buddies came over, and he dined with them. And when he was called on the carpet, he simply explained that those were the ones he came for. Mm -hmm. He came to save sinners. That's his mission. You see people out in the world and you think, man, his life is sideways. That's who Jesus came for. You see the person that has found themselves in a hopeless situation. That's who Jesus came for. And he came for you. You find yourself in a hopeless situation. That's who Jesus came for. My life is sideways. That You're who Jesus came for. The Apostle Paul himself wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. The Apostle Paul did not say Jesus came to the world to save all those sinners down there in the gutter. He said Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I'm the worst one of those. By the way, 1 Timothy chapter 1 was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? When Paul wrote, I'm the worst sinner to ever live, the Holy Spirit said, yep, you're right. You're bad, dude. But you're redeemed. That includes us. That includes me. That includes you. Yes. He's forgiven us. Amen. He came to forgive yes. us. Amen. That's his mission. Yes. And we should honor that mission. We should honor that mission by accepting and trusting his forgiveness. We should honor that mission. We're sharing the good news of that forgiveness with others. Yes.